don't know. I, I feel like the spirit is so rich tonight, so I hope you guys are just ready to dive in. Um, I'm really excited about this message. I'm going to read you the first line of the portion of Philippians we're in and get ready to get punched in the gut, okay? I hope you've been reading it with us, but just in case you haven't. Verse 12 says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. That's how we're starting this. So if you're a perfectionist tonight, I'm speaking to myself. Raise your proverbial hands. You know, it's like he is coming at your perfection and he's letting us know you don't have to make these feeble attempts at perfection. It's okay. Everything that Pastor Kim was saying about coming to Jesus and Jesus walking with you, he's not expecting perfection. He is perfection. That is the only perfection we attain is relationship with him. And so it's really encouraging, though, because as we've been going through this, we have some main themes in Philippians. And so I'm going to give you like a little mini theology lesson here. If you have heard these words and you're like, what do they mean? Or maybe you already know what they mean, okay? So We've covered at the beginning of Philippians, and we hear this theme all the way throughout, is salvation, right? Salvation is a gift. We receive it, and it's by God's grace, Jesus' finished work on the cross. That is salvation. But then there's something else that it talks about. It moves to the word regeneration, which is spiritual birth. So when you receive his love, you receive the gift of salvation, you are regenerated. You are reborn, and it talks to us about how it brings us from death to life. So what we aren't able to do in our flesh when we're regenerated, it says that he empowers us by his spirit to do those things, okay? And then when we get to this portion in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 21, it's actually talking about sanctification. Can you guys say that? Sanctification, okay? And so sanctification... Here's the bottom line. We want to become more like Jesus. We want to walk with him so that we can grow. And that's this whole process of sanctification. It's simply growth. But it's growth that's dependent on God's strength and then our active choice to partner with him in the things that he reveals to us in that process. And so the thing about this that stood out to me so much is Paul is talking about God in the past God in the present, God in the future, God sanctifying each part, the gift of salvation. And it's amazing because ultimately what Paul is saying is if we can grasp that we are on a journey, not a journey to perfection, but on a journey to eternity with the Lord, what Kim was saying earlier just about the road to Emmaus, this is what's so amazing. They were journeying, but they weren't journeying alone. We're not on a road to sanctification so that we catch up to Jesus. We're on the road with him. And that's his promise to us. In sanctification, the Holy Spirit works in you both to will and to work according to God's purpose. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He loves when we choose to journey with him. Okay, so my husband and I, big deal for me, first house purchase ever, super exciting, and we're going to renovate it. And a lot of people have said, 
good luck, because when you start the renovation process, it costs more than you think it will, it will take longer than you think it will, you'll find more surprises under there than you think you will, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when I think of sanctification, I think of it like renovating this house. It's a process, it's a journey. You don't necessarily arrive there. You have to choose to enjoy it. But we know that as we renovate, the more that we start to do, the more we find that we need to do. It's kind of like if you're in Colorado. Anybody ever hiked a 14er? Okay, some brave souls in this room. (laughs) Hats off to you. Um, This is like that, though. You're starting your 14er, and you're like, great, I'm doing great. This is awesome. And then you realize how far you still have to go. And then you get to the top, and you summit, and it is awesome. But for some reason, you still need to get back down to your car. You see what I'm saying? It's a cyclical process. I love that. Paul says, not that I have already arrived, or I am already perfect. Okay, so you may hear that that little tiny portion, and you think, well, yeah, Janelle, obviously, Paul murdered so many Christians. So, of course, he's thinking, like, he's not perfect. He's not doing well. Well, here's the kicker. I did a little bit of research, and this section of Scripture is actually when Paul has been walking with the Lord for 30 years, okay, he has planted 14 churches, and he has taken the gospel to two new continents entirely, I cannot say that. I don't know if you can. Maybe. Maybe we're discovering new continents. Um, But here's the thing. He declared in that that he had not arrived. And I think I actually find so much comfort in that, being able to say, honestly, like, yeah, I've grown and I love that and I want to honor the Lord with my life. But even today, I can tell you this, even today, my brain was thinking, going through all of these different scenarios and thoughts, just, is this me? Is this the Lord? Am I, am I asking these questions right? Am I asking them the way that God would want me to? And really, it comes down to this little sense of just per- perfection that wants to creep up, and I have to do it perfectly. And the Lord's like, Janelle, it's just invite me in. That's the only way for you to navigate this situation, is to invite me into it. You don't have to ask the perfect question. You invite the perfect person. And so past, present, and future, that's what we're going to go over in this passage. In one passage, Paul is telling us not to live in the past, how to live in the present, and why to look to the future. God knew that if we were just looking to our past, we would be a puddle on the floor, but if we were in the present without a glimpse of what is to come, we wouldn't have the motivation or the discipline to be faithful in the moment. And so he's inviting each and every one of us tonight, are you willing to journey with me? Are you willing to be faithful in this moment and to invite me in? So let's go ahead and read this passage. Philippians 3, verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if any, anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables even him to subject all things to himself. That is good news. The, that is only possible because of salvation, because of the gift that he's given us. And so I'm going to start by t just talking about verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. So first, Paul is saying, you have to make an active decision to forget. Do you catch that there? Forgetting. That's an active verb, an active choice, something that we are doing actively. He knows that it's impossible to pursue Jesus with everything that we have if we're living in the past. And there are people in this room tonight It's sleeping. The enemy wants so badly for you to be stuck mentally and possibly even physically in the past so that your past will define you. Because if that happens, then it stunts your growth. That's the enemy's ultimate goal. He wants you to be in a place where you can't grow any further. And the thing that's really tricky about our past is there are things that we have decided, and then there are things that we have not decided that have happened to us. But they're both right here. They're grouped in the same place. We have to choose an active decision Forgetting what is behind. We cannot do that in our own strength. And I recognize when I make a simple statement like that, there's a huge gamut that that covers of life experience. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the things that have happened in the past are okay or that they ever will be righted. But God is saying, I am your healer. I am on this journey with you. Forget what lies behind because what is ahead of you is better than what is behind you. The Enduring Word commentary says, it is a deception to live in the past or in the future. God wants us to press on in the present because the present is where eternity touches us right now. Paul knew that a race is won only in the present moment, not in the past. So we get to verse 14. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Past to the present. God is inviting us to press on. And I'm going to say this again. I said it earlier. It's not, we don't press on so that we can catch up to him. We press on to keep in step with him because he's with us every single step of the way. That is good news today. Because there are so many things that we are going to navigate that we don't know what to do. 
We don't know where to go. We don't know who to trust. But if we're keeping in step with him, we don't have to look very far. So this goes into how intentional the Lord is. In order to press on and to be in the present, right? He gives us some tips of things that we need to do in the present. Verse 15 says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And so my first question when I read that is, what way? What way are we thinking if we're mature? Well, Paul had just said, maturity in this context is realizing that we haven't arrived. Realizing that we aren't perfect, right? And maybe for some of you, it actually makes you a little sick to your stomach to think that you would have to say that. Honestly, think about it. Maybe it's in your job. Maybe it's in parenting. Maybe there are areas that you take great pride, and that's amazing that you take it seriously and you want to live with honor. But the Lord is saying, you aren't held to a perfect standard. Even in that, you have not arrived. There's always area and room to grow. Verse 15 goes on to say, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So a tip to you while you are in the present is to invite the Holy Spirit into your life to reveal incorrect ways of thinking. What areas have I been thinking incorrectly? Where do I need him to speak truth, to bring clarity? Because I want to press on in the present. Okay. Verse 17 says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And I think this is really important. We talked about this and kind of hung out here for a little bit in teaching team. But do you have someone who is further along in their faith journey than you are? Do you have someone that you would want to imitate their faith? This is him saying, this is actually important that you're not doing this alone, that you have people who are willing to show you the ropes. And this also goes both ways, and here is why. Have you ever had someone imitate you? Something that you say, maybe you have a catchphrase and you're like, oh, that's what that sounds like? Like, I didn't know that I said that over and over and over again. Or maybe your kids parrot some things that you think you're saying behind closed doors, but you're not, and you're realizing, oh, Okay, maybe that's an area for me to grow. This can go so many different ways, right, with these imitations. But the Lord is saying, if you would walk with one another, if you would come together, if you would find someone who is further along than you, and both sides of that, right, because hopefully each party is willing to learn and to humble themselves to find more of Jesus in the other person. It's not just one way imitating, it can be both ways. And as we imitate Christ, and we imitate one another, would that represent the kingdom on a grander scale? It is important to surround yourself with people who are pursuing the same goal. So when I was in youth group growing up, I always heard this quote, show me your friends and I will show you your future. And my little 15-year-old palpitating heart was like, I better choose really wisely. Oh, gosh. I don't know what my future is going to look like, but I hope it's okay. I hope I have one. And 
Now that I'm older, I hear this. You are the sum of the people that you surround yourself with. And the Bible actually addresses this, not only in verse 17 in Philippians 3, but also Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 27.17, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I want to encourage you tonight that if you truly, I know whether it's friendship or mentorship, 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 all of those different things, it can be really hard to be vulnerable in relationship with people. But if you are sitting there and you're thinking, I truly cannot think of one person that I would want to imitate in their growth journey with the Lord, please find one of us pastors if that's something that you are yearning for, so that we can, whether it's us or someone else, we can connect you to someone who would just be a great fit for you, whether that's personality or the field that you're in for your job. We recognize that there are so many factors to that. But here's the thing. God wants you to know that this is so important to him. Why? Why would he send Paul to this specific group of people and then have Paul say so that you can imitate, right? Like, you kind of would think, okay, Paul, that's kind of a haughty thing to say, but it's because it's so important to the Lord that people would seek him together and be willing to sharpen one another. This is so, so, so important. So please hear me say that. If you are sitting there and you cannot think of one person, we want to help you find someone that you can grow with. Verse 18, another tip for being on our journey in the present, pressing on. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. So again, I asked myself this question. What is an enemy of the cross of Christ? Well, in this context, an enemy of the cross is someone who wants to walk in their own way, but more so in their cultural context, it was someone who wanted to add to the finished work of the cross. They wanted to add steps, checklists, religion. We can rest in the finished work of the cross. It is a gift to us. And we don't have to strive to press beyond that. He says, press on with me. He's not asking you to get ahead of him. It's not about earning our way to God, but it's about receiving the work that he has done for us. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began will carry. Who's carrying it? Yeah, that's the beauty of it. He who began will carry until its completion. And that's a promise to you. If there is anything or anyone that has come against you and lies that the enemy has told you that you will never be beyond where you are at right now in this moment, that you will not see past these maybe flaws or struggles internally that you're having in your relationships, in your job, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. He says, he will carry to completion because he began a good work. You are a good work. And that's kind of crazy if you think about it because of how amazing the gift 
of what he chose to do on the crosses, and yet he calls you a good work. He calls me a good work. And he chooses to work in and through us. So then that takes me to past, present, to the future, where, how he's addressing the future in this passage. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead. Straining in the Greek translates to reaching towards a goal with all of one's might. And we have this song that we just sang that says, there's no striving. And so I just want to kind of bring those things to light, that striving and straining, right? In the cultural context, those are different things. Because we'll always say in our Western church context, there's no striving, don't strive. And that's true. You don't have to work to do what he already finished on the cross. That's good, that's true, that's a promise. But this is saying, with all of your might, would you reach forward towards the goal, the things that Jesus has set before you, Christ himself set before you, because it's that important. He's that important that we would set all of our attention, all of our devotion, all of our energy on him. And that motivates us to walk into the future, right? Here's the thing about discipline that's really weird. If I have no idea, like let's just pretend that nobody in here has ever heard of a marathon, right? So you don't know that someone can possibly run that far, okay? You're not gonna have the motivation to train. My friend Dawn in here is a runner. She knows all about this life. And you're not gonna have the motivation to do it if you never knew it was possible. So he's covering all of his bases here by telling you, hey, these things are possible. This is where we're going, and so your discipline is actually really important. It takes you actively choosing these things. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. It says, do you not know that in a race, all of the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So... I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I love the imagery there of him just saying, I don't run aimlessly. And I'm not just, my training, when you're a boxer, you're not always hitting people. Like it may not always be the most gratifying, fun process, but you're training. And you know that there's a purpose that God, in this, God is fortifying us through that process of discipline over and over and over and over and over. What am I doing in that? I'm declaring truth. I'm knocking down lies, right? It can be so many different things, but he's saying you have to be disciplined in this. For us to choose to press on in the present and to actually submit ourselves to discipline is so pleasing to the Lord. Why? Because he made us. So he knows that it goes against our very, very nature to do that. Your discipline is not pointless. Verse 20, but our citizen, blah, 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 blah. citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that this stands out to me so much because 
Jesus isn't a means to the end. He is the end. He is the prize. He is worthy of us completely surrendering our past. 1,000% choosing to stand and press on in the present and to be disciplined. But then also, of with all of our might, he is worthy of us reaching with everything that is inside of us towards him over and over and over again. Are you willing to press on? I think that's, it sounds like a simple question, but when life gets really hard, it's not so simple. There are things that we just don't control and we don't understand. And that might be you tonight. You might be saying, honestly, I walked in here and I don't know like Pastor Kim was saying, I don't know if I'm willing to fight for this anymore. I have questions. I have doubts. I've had a lot of pain. Can I just tell you, if you're in this room and you've ever been hurt and you've experienced pain, you're not alone. Even if someone doesn't know pain in the same context as you, we all know pain. But we all have the same exact promise of Jesus who wants to meet us in that place of pain. And so if you find yourself tonight and you're maybe one of those people that you're thinking, I've, I really do dwell in the past. I have been really, really angry and I haven't known how to let go of that. Or I was really hurt and so now everything that I'm facing in life, I just see through a lens of pain. Please know that that's not God's will for you. He's so much greater than that, and he comes in with such love and such mercy and such tenderness. And he doesn't slap you and tell you to forget about it and wipe your memory. Why? He says your past won't define you, but it can refine you. Are you willing to surrender yourself to the refining as the Lord brings you beyond your past? Or maybe... Like I just mentioned, you're, you're, you, maybe you can. You have been pressing on and you are finding your brain more in the present, but you find yourself really hopeless towards the future. You're so distracted in your day-to-day -day and you don't know where to go. All of these things, he's trying to give us tools. Maybe you don't know what prayer to say or what to do, but he says to be imitators. So maybe there's someone that you can talk to who little do you know, you can meet someone tonight who has faced the exact thing that you did and they saw breakthrough. They felt and experienced the Lord meet them in their place of need. And he wants you to know that that can happen for you too. That's the power of testimony. Maybe you just find yourself really tired after the year that we've just had, that it feels easier just not to be disciplined in spending time with the Lord and reading the word and going up to a stranger and just growing in community and all of these things. But the Lord is saying, he is in front of you. He has more for you. Our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And so my, my ultimate question to myself, I just heard the Holy Spirit when I was studying for this. Our journeys aren't going to be the same. 
and that's okay. But will you trust in the sufficiency of Jesus for the journey that he's called you to walk? He is sufficient for your journey. He is abundant. He is more than enough. If he could say something to you tonight, he would just say, don't give up. Even if you're frustrated and your patience has worn thin and you thought that you'd grow more than you have up to this moment, that you would move beyond some things that maybe you still struggle with, he's just saying to you tonight, (laughs) don't give up. He's sufficient for your journey and he wants you to press on. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The prize is the upward call of God. The prize is the call itself. It is not the benefits that come from the call or anything else. The prize is being able to run the race at all, to run with him, working with God as a partner to do the work of his kingdom. Jesus, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the tenderness of your spirit in this room tonight that is just meeting every single person right where they are. You're so good and it's unfathomable to think how you do something that we could never do ourselves. (laughs) But Lord, we choose to just soften our hearts right now. And we hear you say that, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. You are our prize. We want to become more like you. We thank you that you've given us your word and tools and steps and things that we can grasp tangibly to know how to do that and how to get there. But Lord, we thank you that you have never once left our side as we've been on this journey. And so we make an active choice to forget what is behind. We make an active choice to partner with your Holy Spirit, to press on in spite of all of the odds that will come against us, every plan of the enemy to distort and to steal. We press on and we grab hold and we reach with all of our might towards the glorious future and the promise of yourself that you've given us. You are more than enough. And we thank you for this reminder in your word, Lord. I pray for every person in this room that even as they would read this passage again in the future, would you just show them deeper and deeper and deeper areas that you're wanting them to surrender or refine that we would become more like you. And God, that natural, organic relationships would come, that we would be imitators of you, and we would have people to walk in community, to sharpen us as a family, as a body of Christ. We don't have to do this alone. What a privilege it is to sit in a room full of people who love you. And so we just say, thank you, Lord. 
thank you for this journey and this process of growth. And even when we don't feel like it, God, we thank you for every surprise and every bend and every corner and the things that we're not expecting. A couple speed bumps, a couple ditches, whatever it is along the way. But God, we thank you that you are in it with us. You deserve all of the glory. You are so worthy of every ounce of effort that we could put forth. And so we commit ourselves to you the way that you've committed to us. We love you. Amen.